0: This is Dion Miller, sports anchor at ABC7 in Chicago. You're listening to The Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan.
1: A new episode of The Friendly Confines and a new co-host this week as Chad is on vacation. My old friend, Foster Elliott, joins us on this show. And Foster, can you believe it? I hate to bring you on for this specific episode because... We're going to be talking a lot about losing and specifically the recent 11 game losing streak the Cubs had to endure. Can you believe this is what it's come to? And this is what we're going to have to discuss.
2: Rhino first and foremost, I got to thank you for this opportunity to come on your fantastic podcast. I'm tickled. It's silly to be able to be part part of this and try to fill in as best I can in the the great shoes of Chad. Uh, And yes, I can believe we're at this state talking about an 11-game losing streak. Um, we all should have seen this starting to come with the decisions and the, and the moves made in this offseason with a patchwork starting pitching staff, the Yu Darvish white flag trade. This should be no surprise to any of us that we're uh, talking about a significant losing streak and that this team is most likely going to be sellers come the trade deadline.
1: We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about who's to blame plus... Who's on the trading block, and who should the Cubs potentially keep? We're going to get into all that. Plus, we got a great guest this week. Very cool to catch up with this guy, Gary Sheffield Jr. He's a sports writer with OutKick Sports. And yes, if the name sounds familiar, he is the son of the great Gary Sheffield, the former baseball player. But I'll tell you, he's making a name for himself by writing some great stuff for outkick so we're going to get into all that with Gary so stick around because the Glenbrook edition of the friendly confines starts right now hi everybody I'm Ryan Lieber he is Foster Elliott and Foster let's start in the first inning as much as This will pain both of us. The Cubs just finished up an 11-game losing streak, something we haven't seen in a very long time, the futility of this ball club. Now, you played college baseball, and I don't know if you ever went through a losing streak such as, like, the Cubs did. But how difficult does it have to be for these players to go through something like that? And what did you just make of what we had seen from the Chicago Cubs baseball team over the past week and a half with this 11 game losing streak as well. The floor is yours. Go ahead and start.
2: Well, thank you, Ryan. First and foremost, I want to thank you for the opportunity to fill in for Chad on this fantastic podcast. I'm tickled silly to be given the opportunity to talk to you and give you my thoughts and opinions on the club and just what's going on in Major League Baseball as a whole. And yeah, you know, to answer your question, I and all my years, never went through a losing streak that severe and that long. Um, I think as a player, though, when you start to have continued a streak of losing like that, you, know, you start to doubt yourself occasionally. It's not; a, it's it's human nature. Uh, as a hitter, you start to say, "What break am I not going to get at the plate?" Uh, as a pitcher, same thing. You start saying, "You know that? You know, two weeks ago, uh, my my I was." nibbling the corners and getting that pitch and getting that hitter out and now he's barreling the ball up and hitting it in the gaps and you know I think bigger picture as we talk about this team the issues are starting to really surface around let's let's face it the first thing is the thin thin rotation the thin starting pitching and at some point right the the starters going four or five innings at most is going to eventually tax your bullpen and the bullpen, man, we've talked about right, this was the heart and soul of this team in in May, right? And um, and kept keeping them going here. But, in, you know, they're, they're just, you know, your your bullpen gets used, you're going to get taxed. And I think that is obviously one of the big issues that, um, you know, plagued this team in this 11-game losing streak.
1: No, you're 100% right about that.
2: And, you know, we talked at the
1: top about we haven't seen a losing streak like this in a really long time, you got to go back to 1997. And I know you and I remember that when they started the year, 0 and 14. And, you know, that was a bad baseball team too. And I think a lot of people going into the year didn't really know what to expect from that team. And, you know, I just did not see this coming. I think n- nobody really did. We were literally talking two weeks ago about how we were potentially going to see this team add um, to this roster at the trade deadline, because they were vying for the division title. And now You know, we're talking about a team that, well, they're going to be selling their parts. Um, Look, management did not do this team any favors. This team was not built to win. This team was not built to, you know, contend. And so while this 11-game losing streak is shocking because of how well they played in the month of June, or excuse me, in the month of May, um, you know, this is just a a gut punch um, from that respect because, as we all know, they literally had no hit the Dodgers prior to going on this losing streak. You don't normally see a no hitter, uh, being thrown and then, you know, promptly rip off 11 straight losses. So it's really unfortunate. It's really befuddling, but, uh, man, it was, it was very painful, but I guess I just can't sit here and say ultimately
2: that I'm shocked. you, You can't be right. Uh, You know, and that's a perfect segue into our second inning here. Uh, I mean, who's to blame? Like, who do you think is, where where does the blame lie on us sitting here now talking about a 11-game losing streak that really put this ball club potentially in a sell mode, right? Um, They're teetering right now at that, do we buy or do we sell? Here, sitting in the beginning of July.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of alluded to it in my first answer in the first inning. I really do blame management, and I'll tell you why. Because this team, again, was not supposed to contend. This ball club played over their heads in the month of May. They absolutely just, you know, looked amazing and and came out like gangbusters after a slow April. But this team, we keep forgetting, they traded Hugh Darvish for basically spare parts. And then, you know, they refused to re-sign Kyle Schwarber. And, you know, you're just kind of going into the season with a patchwork pitching staff thinking, OK, well, let's see what these guys can do. Thinking that Jake Arrieta was ultimately going to be the answer, thinking that somebody like Trevor Williams was going to be able to come out and, you know, rejuvenate his career. Um, Zach Davies, who actually hasn't pitched that badly, but the man can't pitch more than four to five innings a start. So I, I just ultimately have to blame management for this, for not putting the pieces around this baseball team to ultimately allow them to contend for a division title. What about yourself?
2: Yeah, I, you said it right on the head. The U Darvish trade was the signature piece that said, we are not going to put all our chips in and, and compete this season. We will put together a patchwork pitching staff and see where if we tread water and where that takes us. And if we're in a position in mid mid to late July to acquire and 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 buy instead of sell, we'll consider that. And that's how we'll make we might go back and get our frontline starter. Um, You know, I I, you also have to go back to even you know Theo. It is part of this with you're clearly the the Jason Hayward contract is just absolutely still killing this team, and we're going to get into it uh, later, but. You know, a, a player like uh, Castellanos, right, we, who we couldn't afford to re-sign. But the, he's part of the problem on the offensive side where we just have too many bats that don't put the ball in play and get on base. And, you know, a guy like Castellanos, we couldn't afford to keep on this roster because we were sitting with that hefty Hayward contract. And that's a guy with 300-plus batting average and on-base percentage, which this team needs more of to start to play better and be a stronger baseball team in the long run. All right. So let's
1: move on to the third inning now, Foster. And we talked a little bit about him. Jake Arietta was moved to the IL with hamstring tightness. And I'm I'm putting hamstring tightness in uh, air quotes when I say that, of yeah. course. Um, Jake Arrieta, who has just been absolutely struggling. His last two outings couldn't even get past the second inning. Um, it, it's sad. Obviously, Jake is so... Uh, you know, revered and loved for what he did for this organization in 2015, in 2016, even in 2017. And you hate to see, you know, the aging gunslinger kind of, you know, stumble uh, towards the end of his career. But it looks like that may be the case, in your opinion, because clearly, I don't ultimately think there's really an injury that we're talking about. Are we really just trying to find a way Jake Arrieta to kind of go off into the sunset and have we maybe seen the last of Jake Arrieta in your opinion in a Cubs uniform what's your take on that
2: yeah well this is not uncommon for this team right we've seen this in in prior years with starters and even bullpen guys being put on the 10 10 day IL for a some injury that's really hard to understand to see because nothing visibly happened but it's sometimes it is a mental reset I.L. move than anything else. But of course in the big leagues, you gotta you gotta give an excuse as to why and a reason as to why you're putting somebody on the injured list. So uh yeah, I think that's part of why he was put on there. And then honestly, whether he pitches another inning for this team, I think it really depends on the direction they go over the next few weeks. Right. If they are in a sell mode and um they need some arms, they might give him an opportunity to kind of just, you know, grind through the season and um and and finish and throwing some, you know, continue to start for us. Other, If not, um, you know, we also could see the likes of guys like Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson and Corey Abbott finally getting some looks, and that might push Jake out, um, and he might, for all we know, be DFA'd eventually. He is not a guy that has any trading chip, uh, you know, to him right now. So I don't – I can't see them finding a way to, you know, move him. So it's either, you know, they find a way to slot for him or they might even DFA him before before the end of the uh, month.
1: Isn't this such a Chicago sports move to Foster to see this kind of thing happen? Right. Like you bring back the superstar who was amazing for you. Then he leaves. And then you bring him back and he basically is a shell of himself. I mean, I remember when the Bulls did this with, you know, Scotty Pippen at the end of his career after he had, you know, been traded and then they bring him back. Or, you know, we saw this with the Blackhawks plenty of times, like maybe when Dennis Savard came back. I remember that routine, you know, with, with that situation. It, it just seems like I've seen this play before and I see how it ends. Um, When it comes or like when the White Sox would bring Harold Baines back for the 14th time um, (laughs) after they traded him initially, you know, listen, Jake Arrieta's um, legacy with the Chicago Cubs is cemented. He was arguably um, part of the greatest trade the Cubs ever made because of what he did to turn this franchise around and what he did in 2015 was like beyond anything any of us could have expected. He had one of the greatest pitching seasons maybe of the last 20 years. Uh, That will never be forgotten. The fact that he went out and won game six of the world series in 2016 and, you know, was vital to the Cubs, you know, winning the world series, throwing a no hitter. um, These are all things that will never be forgotten, but you hate to see a guy who's clearly way past his prime. Continuing to, um, defy anybody that asks him if he's passed his prime and thinking that he still has lots left in the tank. And I give him credit for that, but yes, I mean, maybe he can figure it out, but to your point, a lot is going to depend on what direction the Cubs go with. And if they're going to just give, as you mentioned, some of these younger guys an opportunity, then to your point, maybe then Jake is no longer going to be a viable asset in this rotation. And that we won't see him. I, I, I I hate to see a guy go out this way where he had just a horrible start and that's it. Maybe there can be like one last hurrah and hopefully he can have a good pitching outing and can at least go out on a decent note. um, If he's going to call it a career, that's the only thing I hope for. I don't know if it'll happen, but I hope maybe he'll get that opportunity.
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah. This is a guy. One last thing here. One note here. Over a seven ERA since the end of April. And so that's not cutting it. And, you know, something's got to change if he's going to continue to get um, the opportunity to be given opportunities. All right, Ryan, let's move on to the fourth inning. As we sit here and talk about, you know, the future of this team, right, it really really starts with, you know, who's going to get traded. And, you know, and kind of what is the looking at the current roster right now, what is your take on, you know, the key guys that are on the trading block right now if you're Jed Hoyer?
1: Yeah, well, it starts with the two names that we've been talking about probably all season long before the year started. And, of course, they just happen to be the two all-stars for the Chicago Cubs, and that being Craig Kimbrell and Chris Bryant. Now, from the reports that I've read from, you know, the guys that are in the know, the Buster Olney's and and people of that ilk, um, they seem to think that Craig Kimbrell is going to get a haul. Uh, They they believe that Kimbrell is a very coveted pitcher, especially – with, you know, the fact that there are a lot of teams that could use a closer as dominant as he is and that the Cubs could really capitalize on getting somebody uh, in return or maybe multiple players in return um, if they, you know, do unload on Kimbrell. Chris Bryant, you know, certainly is somebody that I think the Cubs can get decent players in return. But again, with him being an impending free agent, with him, you know, asking for a lot of money in the offseason, uh, with Scott Boris as his agent. Um, what is Chris Bryant worth to another team? And and those are, you know, just the first two that you think of. I think other players that, you know, are going to be in the mix include probably a Zach Davies or uh, include a Jock Peterson for that matter. So, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Javi Bias and Anthony Rizzo could potentially be also on that list as well, pending if there's teams that are, you know, have strong interest in them. I think everybody is on the table, but if you're asking me who I think the main guys are that the Cubs are going to be looking at, it's definitely Kimbrell Bryant. I think Peterson and Zach Davies would be the ones that I would ultimately look at as the guys that I think could find themselves on other teams um, right after the all-star break. What about you?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. That's a, that's a solid core there. Um, you know, I think Kimbrell, also, you know, I've been hearing, you know, some of the sources I've been reading, too, says he's a he's a great fit for the uh, for the uh, Astros um, and somewhere on the American League side and even the Red Sox, for that matter. So I for sure believe he is going to be dealt. Uh, he probably has some of the strongest trade value right now. Um, the other thing, the other two to keep in mind that might be, you know, fringe not going to give you back the return that these other guys that we've talked about would. You know, as this, you know, you look at the strength of this team is the bullpen, right? You had Ryan Tapera and Chafin who are having great years. You might be able to get some something um, as a prospect or two for those guys as well, as you know, come playoff time. And as this new Major League Baseball era we live in, right, where, you know, postseason baseball isn't about a starter oftentimes going through eight innings anymore. You know, you can never have enough arms in your bullpen to grind through a, you know, a post game a postseason series. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, without a doubt. No, I, I totally hear you with uh, uh, Chafin as well, who's had a remarkable year. Uh, it's going to be tough to let him go, too, because I feel like he is so perfect for the city of Chicago, and he's really right. ingratiated himself to the fans here. It's, it's such a shame. He's really one of the true characters of baseball. All right, Foss, let's move on to the fifth inning now. And this might be a little bit of a tricky question, because obviously, you know, it's just hard to know um, who ultimately is going to be the buyers of, you know, these players, but um, what teams do you think make the most sense um, for guys like Craig Kimbrell or Chris Bryant? Um, We can probably go with those two or, you know, any other players that you think might be in the um, in, in the business of trying to, you know, get some players at the trading deadline. What do you think?
2: Yeah. So, you know, when you look at the standings right now, You know, the NL East is a very interesting division, right? You've got the Mets sitting there. They're up at the top by themselves. And you've got a a bunch of other teams kind of clustered there. I think what happens in the first seven to ten days post-All-Star break uh, in the NL East is going to dictate a lot of what could happen in terms of interest. Um, You know, clearly with the Mets where they're at, um, you know, you keep hearing, I keep hearing KB's name is a shoe and like he could fall right into the Mets lap. And that's a perfect, you know, is a perfect tie for Chris Bryant. You know, if the race tightens with, you know, with the Braves and the Phillies playing better baseball, they might be buyers and that just starts to open up additional teams. So they're an, they're an interesting play as a whole. I think all, you know, on on the, then you go to the West Coast and you got the NL, the three NL West teams, they're all in the mix for acquiring talent for a postseason run. Um, so those, you know, those are all, I think those are very you know, favorable for any of our, you know, beloved Cubs to go there. And then, of course, I mentioned just a minute ago, like Kimbrell, Kimbrell from a bullpen perspective, um, you know, to partner with Barnes that would make that Red Sox bullpen be a very strong bullpen. Um, and then, you know, on the Astros, you've got Ryan Presley, who's an all-star and has been fantastic. But if you could acquire, if they could acquire a Kimbrell, they could move him to the to Presley, to the setup role. And, you know, then, and slot Kimbrell in on the back end and that would help strengthen that team on the back, on the, uh, on the back end of theirs, and then the A's on the, on the West, too, on the AL. I think the you know, their bullpen is not as good as last year. And, of course, acquiring a Kimbrel could definitely help strengthen their pen for a, you know, a, a postseason run uh, later in the year.
1: All, all great calls on your part for those teams. Let me throw a couple of other uh, names out there, or rather teams-wise, that I think would be an interesting scenario. Obviously, you mentioned the Mets for Bryant. Yes, I think that's a team that a lot of people have their eyes on. I, I know that the Cubs are ultimately just going to go with whoever offers them the best deal, but I also think that there's a part of this team that certainly does not want to see him in the National League, so he comes back to haunt them, because we've seen that so many times um, with ex-Cubs coming back And just absolutely, you know, giving it to the Cubs at Wrigley, whoever it may be. So let me throw this at you. Um, What about the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, That's a team that obviously is on the up and with a team, you know, a player like Vladimir Guerrero and, you know, you got Craig Biggio's son there and, you know, I mean, they've got a lot of young talent that plays for that team. I'd be curious if they would make a run for Bryant and not even necessarily needing him to play third base. Um, because as we've seen, Bryant is so versatile. He can play anywhere. And then the other, the other scenario, as weird as this may sound, I would love to see it happen. If the Cubs are going to trade Chris Bryant, I, I would love to see them trade him to the white Sox, Cause it would just be cool to see Chris Bryant, not only play for both sides of town, But for him to be able to stay in the city of Chicago and also for him to have the opportunity to win a World Series with both teams, because that would be a first. There's obviously never been a player that has won a World Series with both the Cubs and the White Sox. So to me, that would be incredible to see. I just don't know if I would ultimately see that if the Cubs would would deal to the White Sox and what the White Sox would actually give up in return. Um, as far as Kimbrel goes, yeah, I think you're you're right on with the Red Sox or the Astros or the A's. I think those are all good calls as well. Um, any of those teams could use him, and uh, you know he's he's going to be lights out for whoever he you know gets traded to when it comes to closing out games. And then you know with the other guys that we mentioned, maybe a Jack Peterson, he's actually a guy also that has been talked about, you know, the White Sox were interested in him initially He decided to sign with the Cubs. Maybe there's a situation where you trade Peterson to the White Sox as well. So those are just some of the teams that I thought, you know, might play a role in there, but uh, it's, you know, going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think all the teams you mentioned as well are are certainly up for grabs too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good, good takes on that. Yeah. You know, and so we spent, let's fast go to the sixth inning here now, Ryan, and we've, spend all this time talking about who they're going to trade and who's on the trading block. Let's flip the script and say, Hey, who do we want to keep? Who's worth keeping on this roster to build around to say, you have Jed and, and, and management say, this is who are, these are the building blocks for the next postseason championship team that we're going to get pulled together. Yeah. Well, it's,
1: it's so hard to gather, right? I mean, I think the obvious ones that I would probably hold on to, there's, there's a few of them. One, I think Anthony Rizzo is a guy who I I just feel like at all costs, you know, you do what you can to keep Anthony Rizzo. He he's going to get the statue built outside of Wrigley one day. He's he's this generation's Mr. Cub. He's a beloved figure in this community. Um, I I certainly think he's one of the people you try and hang on to. Javi, if the price is right, I I I just Javi's going to want Lindor money and. He's just not worth it. He's not worth it. He he strikes out way too much. He clearly is an exciting player. He can make things happen, but he's going to have to probably figure out what's ultimately more important to him. If he's going to chase the money or if he wants to just be part of a long term plan here with Chicago, where I think the Cubs will offer him fair market value for what he's worth. But he's not going to get the kind of money that he thinks he's going to get with the numbers he's putting up this year. Um, so I would like to see Hobby back, but I ultimately don't know if he's you know willing to stick around. The other person that I would hang on to too is Nico Horner. I, I definitely think you got a lot that you can you know build around with someone like him. He's an excellent, excellent player. And then I would say finally, um, Kyle Hendricks is. I'm hoping somebody that the the Cubs hang on to long term as well. I mean, I really like him when he's when he's on. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, he's he's not overpowering. He's kind of like you know this version's uh, Greg Maddox at this point, and he's got a lot of upside. You notice I didn't mention Wilson Contreras, and while I love Wilson Contreras, the Cubs also have Miguel Amaya, their you know minor league catcher, um, who's you know potentially a year or two away. So maybe that gives the Cubs some flexibility to trade uh, Wilson Contreras. So for me, I would say um, it's Horner, it's Javi, it's um, Hendricks and Rizzo. I guess those would be the guys I would focus in on to try and uh, say, okay, let's let's give this another shot and rebuild. What about you?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a very strong list. You know, H- Javi is one that perplexes me because on so many aspects of his game. We love him, right? We love the we love the the grit, the hustle, the the baseball IQ off the charts compared to anybody else we've seen in many years. and and but yet you look at his numbers and you start to see where he lies in the in the spectrum of shortstops with his you know two twenty two thirty average oftentimes and his under three hundred on base percentage like that isn't Lindor performance as you mentioned, right? So it part of me you know. I, Part of me says because of that, right, they, to your point, the management will give that give him an, an offer, but not to the likings of where he thinks he might be. And I think some, he might need a reality check on his uh, on his numbers and where they are and where they stand in the position and then with the rest of the talent pool in Major League Baseball at shortstop. Um, I'll disagree with you on the Contreras thing. He's the one guy for me that I'd like to keep right now. I know Miguel Amaya is, is moving up and elevating up in the minor leagues. Um, I think Wilson's bat and defense and what he gives you in terms of innings back there behind the plate is, is, is really is in the upper echelon of major league baseball. Um, he reminds me a little bit of the, the, this version of the new Pudge Rodriguez, right? Yvonne and, and having the ability to be solid back there as a backstop, as well as deliver that, you know, that strong bat. Um, and, you know, for, he, for me, I think he helps keep things solidified up the middle. Um, and if Miguel Amaya continues to elevate, he is a fantastic, you know, he could be a fantastic trade at, trading asset for the Cubs to acquire something. At some point in the next few years, if they're back to trying to acquire and add on to get major league talent, that's a trading chip for us. Um, so I think for me, it's really, you know, Contreras is the one addition I'll add to your list that for me, I, I, I'd like to see them keep and, and, and sign long term
1: time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines we have a great guest this week as we always do you can find him on outkick sports he's a writer there you can find him on twitter at gary sheffield jr as well as instagram gary sheffield jr yes his name may have given it away It is Gary Sheffield Jr., and yes, if you're wondering, he is the son of longtime Major League Baseball player Gary Sheffield. Gary, welcome to the friendly confines in the seventh inning stretch. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, dude. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show. Um, So let's talk a little bit, even though you're wearing a White Sox hat, which I find hilarious at the same time, we're talking Cubs. But Gary, you played college baseball, and I don't know if you've ever been involved in a losing streak that went 11 games like the Cubs have had over the past week and a half. But what do you think, being a former player yourself, what do you think the vibe was in the clubhouse while these guys are dealing with this losing streak prior to them finally breaking it. But that has to be just basically playing on your emotions for such a long time when you're dealing with that sort of losing streak.
0: Well, the, the hard part about a losing streak is that eventually you're like, well, what's the point of this whole team chemistry deal? Maybe I should start thinking of myself. That's what I always did. I remember when I was playing in college, what my first college team, when I was a freshman, we lost like 15 or 16 games in a row. We were really bad. Well, there were a couple of us that were having good seasons. Like um, there were a couple of us committing either division one or some people were getting pro, you know, pro scouts were giving them letters and saying what round they're being selected in. It was hard to, to really differentiate the difference between me and then the team. So that's something that obviously as Cubs fans, they understand that the trade deadline is coming up and it's like, OK, you've got Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez. They've got a lot of talent in Chicago. They just haven't thrown together really a solid um, team to throw together some wins. And the weird part is, is the Cubs were great earlier in the season. It, Chris Bryant was just raking. He was just really just carrying the team. And then now they're just, they're just not winning games. So it's, it's just going to be difficult to, to realize that this is about we and not me.
1: Gary, you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, this team's on the brink now of going into full sale, fire sale mode. Um, yeah. How many people from this core, players-wise, do you expect to get dealt before the trading deadline, in your
0: opinion? that's You just never know. Because sometimes, sometimes you're going to get a, f- a full fire sale to just get rid of everybody, and the fan base is going to be upset about that no matter what. Unless, of course, you're getting back a haul, which we're seeing lately, that didn't happen. You saw with Arenado, where they basically gave up a ton of talent, a future Hall of Famer for free. They basically paid somebody to take him. So that's disappointing. The Cubs fan base does not want to see that. If they're going to see a, a if they're going to see a bunch of trades and Chris, Chris Bryant out the door, Javi Baez out the door, Contreras, those that's a lot of value right there. So you're expecting top 50 talent that's going to be controllable for the next decade. If they don't get that, that's disappointing. So I really can't give you a guess because it's always random. Like baseball, you just never know what some of these front offices are doing, whether or not uh, the the person who's now taking over as general manager feels the same way about a certain prospect or a player. You just never know. You you mentioned about
1: the returnability now of players that we don't see the halls that we maybe once did. You brought up the Arenado trade. Why do you think baseball's trending in that direction where we're not able to get top prospects for great baseball players in, in trades now?
0: Well, it seems like they, they condensed the draft. So there's just less prospects to deal with. A lot of what you're seeing, um, the guys who are panning out at least are international stars. We're seeing a lot of international play. Um, I know they're putting a huge emphasis on international drafts and, and that type of cap and that money. Um, I know the Yankees have been very hesitant about making trades and, and spending money because they don't want to forego that international money. And you saw with Jason Dominguez and the Cubs are going to do the same thing. So yeah, it's just, it is really difficult to figure out who's buying, who's selling, when people are going to be aggressive and when certain managers or GMs are going to say, let's turn this whole thing around and let's flip it upside down and start over. That's just difficult to do. Is there anyone on this current team that you look at from a
1: roster standpoint and say, you know what, we'll hold on to this player or that player, yeah. and maybe we can continue to build for the, for the coming seasons?
0: To me, that's Wilson Contreras. As much as everybody thinks it's Javi Baez, I do believe that the middle infield depth around the league, you can go find another middle infielder, another shortstop. He's incredibly talented. Um, you never know what he's going to be. He could easily be a future Hall of Famer 20 years from now. But to me, that Wilson Contreras is like the face. When I think of the Chicago Cubs, I think of him. And just knowing that when you find a catcher who can swing the bat and potentially can hit four or five all-star games in a row, he's young and he's got that flair. He's the perfect guy that really you can have. And I know he doesn't struggle hitting velocity, which you're seeing the, the league really trend towards velocity. That's all you're seeing these days. Wilson Contreras is like the one guy I'd be like, look, That maybe we should hang on to that guy.
1: Should Cub fans feel incomplete about this era? I mean, as a Cub fan myself, I see teams like the Dodgers and the Astros, and I Mm -hmm. say they're very similar to how the Cubs were constructed. Why yeah. have the Cubs kind of stalled and yet we're seeing teams like the Dodgers and the Astros, for instance, that continue to find that success with these young players and, and continuing to win where we're in the situation we're in now with the Cubs from from your best guess?
0: My best guess is that they didn't have youth on their side when their run did begin. And that's something that their their position players were young and that's always a good thing. But a lot of their pitching wasn't. Um, You saw Hendricks. I mean, Hendricks was a different type of guy, right? He wasn't a power guy. So when that fastball goes from 95 to 92, 93, well, he's not going to fall off a cliff or for Hendricks in particular. I mean, he's not trying to blow anyone up anyways. it's 85, 86, maybe occasionally he'll touch 89, but he was the only guy who aged well. You saw Jake Arrieta. He's been pretty much, he's been worse every year since his days with the Cubs, the Cubs probably should have just traded him when they had the chance. And uh, or just moved on as soon as possible. And I know a lot of people were like, why did they get rid of Jake Arietta? Well, you're getting up there in age and this is what you see. And then you had John Lester and he was already advanced in age. And a lot of people forget he's even still playing in Washington. And so there was just a ton of turnover in that rotation. They had a lot of big contracts on some guys in advanced age. Um, they reminded me a lot of that New York Giants team that beat the Patriots in the 16 and 0 season. It was like, we're going for it. I mean, we, we are going for it. We got rid of Glaber Taurus for a reliever, for a rental reliever. So I believe it worked because that was the goal. They're trying to end the curse. But if they wanted sustainable success, that build wasn't going to work. And I think they need to start from scratch if they want to do that. Gary
1: Sheffield Jr. is our guest here on the seventh inning stretch. You can find Gary's work at outkick sports. And of course you can find him on Twitter, Gary Sheffield Jr. At Gary Sheffield Jr. As well as Instagram at Gary Sheffield Jr. Gary, um, where does the team go from here? Obviously I've seen so many times this team rebuilding, um, losing 90 plus games a year. I'd like to think we're past that, but is that inedibly where we're going with this franchise again? Is the Cubs are going to just have to restock, reload, and, and try to build out again? And we might be seeing
0: some, some thin seasons? It depends. It really depends what type of management you're dealing with. And I haven't gotten a good chance to see what type of deals this management will do and what kind of deals they'll execute. Because sometimes managers are like, we don't want just a haul of draft. Of draft guys and a bunch of prospects 18 19 year old kids we want an MLB ready guy we want to make sure we we sustain some type of culture I know Cubs fans do not want to fill up as much as people say they love the Cubs people are not trying to watch a team lose 95 games they're not trying to watch a team lose 110 games I'm here in Arizona and I understand we're about to be in a process of a rebuild I'm sorry but that's going to be really difficult for me to support when you're going through a long period of time where you're not winning any baseball games. So to me, the way the Cubs are their way, their fan base is built. I don't think that you can be, you can do that. Really. You're going to, to me, you're going to lose the base and, and not to the sense that you won't get it back, but you're not going to sustain that. And so I, I really hope that this, this manager management is going to say, well, if you're going to take, give us one of your prospects, which it needs to be great prospect, You cannot just get rid of Chris Bryant because you don't want to pay him. Um, you can't just get rid of, like the way that Paul Goldschmidt happened with Arizona. You cannot have a situation like that because these players don't come around every day. Chris Bryant's don't just fall out of the sky. You don't get Javi Baez out of nowhere. Uh, you're you're just not going to find those, those players because Cubs fans know you, you throw half in center field. You go, this guy's the next, he's the next superstar. And then you realize very quickly how difficult it is to be at that level. And so when you finally do hit on those prospects, which they did on quite a few of them, you need to make sure if you're going to give them up, it's got to be for something that's going to help you win right now and in the future.
1: And our thanks once again to Gary Sheffield Jr. What's some great insight about the Cubs, about baseball and kind of where he sees the game trending right now. It was really cool to talk to him. Hey, listen, he may have the namesake Foster, but I will assure you, He is certainly making his own name for himself as a great writer for OutKick Sports. So uh, be sure to check out his work on the website there. And uh, he writes uh, for, you know, Major League Baseball and the NBA among other sports. Uh, But Gary Sheffield Jr., definitely a a rising star in the world of uh, sports journalism. So be sure to check him out. Also want to make sure you guys know you can find, me and Chad on social media. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon, so be sure to follow us there, as well as our Chicago Cubs uh, Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We'd love for you to join, be a part of the conversation, and uh, be a part of the group of our Friendly Confines uh, listeners and uh, everything that we get to chat about as well goes on the Facebook page, too. And be sure to go to our website, theconfines.com. You can find uh, the opportunity to subscribe to our podcast. And if you enter your email, uh, again, the podcast, every new episode we have will be delivered right to your inbox so you don't have to go searching for it. That is theconfines.com
2: as we begin the eighth inning. Yeah, as we move to the eighth inning, Ryan, let's let's talk about how upset are you, you know, to see a bunch of ex Cubs uh, on this year's All Star rosters. Yeah,
1: it's a tough break, Foss. I mean, listen, let's uh, break it down. We got Nick Castellanos, we got you Darvish, and we got Kyle Schwarber. So there's a few things you can look at. Do you ultimately think that these guys would help the team? Yeah, they probably would. I think Darvish would, you know, certainly be a guy who will put up some great numbers Um, Would the Cubs score for him, I think would have been the better question. Then you got somebody in the likes of Castellanos who people are talking about, you know, an MVP now for the National League. Obviously, he would have looked great in right field. And, you know, you talked about it earlier in the podcast about the fact that because of Jason Hayward's deal, There was just really no way that the Cubs were going to be able to sign Castellanos as much as he wanted to stay in Chicago. And the Reds got him at like a bargain price. Um, And then of course, Kyle Schwarber who I think so many Cub fans obviously loved him just because he was such a fan favorite, but I got to be honest, I think Schwarber needed a change of scenery. And because of that change of scenery, I think it has helped him kind of put up the type of numbers that we are now seeing that he's doing with the nationals. I don't necessarily know if he would be putting up these kind of numbers with the Cubs, like he is with Washington, because I just think everybody kind of needed a break and everybody needed to kind of go their separate ways. And ultimately Schwarber, I think is, um, you know, competing the way that he is because of the fact he got a fresh start. What about you?
2: Yeah, I think Ryan, I mean, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I think the one that stings me the most is Castellanos. Um, he is, you know, a guy that breaks the mold of what we have too much of on this team right now and the, the issues that we the Cubs have been facing for years of a broken offense, one that's either lives by the, the home run or, or and strikes out a ton and doesn't put enough balls in play. I thought Castellanos was the perfect uh, player for this team to start to break that mold and you know with he's a 300 plus hitter these days with over 300 you know 300 350 on base percentage give or take you know that is not what a lot of what we have out there uh from our position players and so for me that's the one that stings the most i think schwarber to your point needed a change and as i mentioned to you he's a guy who was hitting 220 and 30 bombs but you know but again it was either home run or strikeout a lot with him so um uh, I'm fine. I was fine with parting ways with Kyle Schwarber, especially with his marginal defense in left field as well. And then you, Darvish, of course, would be doing you know, be doing a great thing anchoring our, our, our team for sure, our staff this year. But, you know, as we talked about, they made the decision to, to move him um, to start to rebuild and start a start a new look up rotation. So those, you know, Darvish and Castellanos to me are the ones that sting the most um, seeing this year's All-Stars. But I'm not surprised by either of them. All right, so let's finish up
1: Foster in the ninth inning. And, of course, we've talked about all the changes that this team potentially could be making over the next couple of weeks. So it begs the question, you live in Chicago, you're a diehard Cubs fan, and like a lot of people, you have the opportunity to decide whether or not you're going to watch this team play in person if the Cubs do make these moves or even if they don't and they continue to slide like they are, even though you're a big Cubs fan, would you pay to watch this product the way that they're playing right now? And especially if they make all these trades, would you even want to take your kids to Wrigley for the rest of the year to watch this baseball team?
2: You know, Ryan, that's a great question. And uh, as a father of three kids, uh, you know, I I, my my time and how I spend my entertainment dollars are scrutinized more than ever these days. And, you know, I'm I'm happy to say I finally got back to Wrigley. We went uh, I took my two boys back in June and I think I took it at the peak of the season with a Sunday night baseball against the Cardinals when we when we swept them. And I think I think I will live in that moment and take that as my um, my uh, opportunity to have enjoyed this season. At Wrigley Field, um, I don't feel like I would probably be going back or making any special trip to go to Wrigley to bring my kids to go see this product um, for the rest of the summer. Um, it's just not just not something in, uh, in in the cards for me at this point. I figure that there's a lot of other ways I can um, spend my time and my entertainment dollars um, rather than watching this team Yeah,
1: I I can't say I fault you at all. So. Um, you know, our listeners know I live in South Florida, born and raised in the Chicagoland area. But I was home recently and I did not go to the Cubs game because I just didn't, you know, A, feel like it was uh, something I wanted to do at that time to watch this baseball team. And B, you know, I just wanted to make sure it had, I think they had just gone back to 100% capacity. It was like the Marlins series. And as it turned out, I'm glad I didn't go. A, because I get to see the Marlins pretty regularly. And B, The Cubs got blasted in that series by the Miami Marlins. So I I, I'm glad I didn't go. And if I get the opportunity to come back, I I don't know if I would want to spend my hard earned dollar to watch this baseball team. The Cubs have some of the most expensive tickets in all of baseball. And while I will have the opportunity to see them when they come to Miami in August, um, depending on what this team looks like and how they're playing, Even though, you know, Marlins games are, are a very easy ticket to get and a relatively inexpensive ticket to buy, um, I don't know if I want to watch this baseball team in person. They, they don't excite me. So, you know, listen, you as you said, um, our discretionary funds can be used for so many other things. And uh, the last thing I want to do is spend money on a baseball team that is not an enjoyable team to watch And especially a team that if you're going to go to Wrigley to watch this team play, uh, if they're not competitive and you're spending over, you know, $200 potentially on a ticket per ticket, um, that to me does not sound like a a recipe for, uh, you know, an enjoyable night or day at the ballpark. So um, I'll be the first to say, like, I love the Cubs, but I'm only going to pay for something that's a quality product. And to be honest with you, Foster, uh, I've talked about it on this podcast before. I have no qualms uh, having an opportunity to go to the south side to watch a baseball game, especially with uh, the way they're playing over there. So uh, I'm not above that. I'm not one of those people that say, oh, I will refuse to uh, watch the White Sox play because I'm a Cub fan. Hey, if there's good baseball on either side of town, I'm willing to go if it's going to be a quality product. And that's really the bottom line, especially as I get older.
2: Yeah, so we, I, I, I hear you. I agree with you. And I, it's so funny. I, I couldn't, take that, couldn't agree with you more as, as I get older, as you cl- qualify there. I feel the same way. Like I'm starting to say I'm remember the days of going watching bad Cub teams sitting in the bleachers as a 20 some year old. Right. And now we're scrutinizing our dollars spent and how we're using our, our, our discretionary spending to watch. I want to see good baseball. That's what I want to yeah. see. We, uh, we didn't have to worry
1: about a mortgage when we were working at Banner Day Camp. That, that's certainly the case. So, no, we know, did not. Yeah, we, we definitely did not. All right. So with that being said, a little shout out to uh, the camp there, our, uh, our former playground. Uh, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. My thanks to my old friend Foster Elliott for filling in this week for Chad. And uh, so for Foster, I am Ryan. We will talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one, and we'll see you at the ballpark. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're field. The first time you walk into Wrigley.